What's up, everybody? Anthony Cazenza here. And as we have teased for the better part of two weeks now, we've got a very special guest, right, John Sheeran? Uh, it's it's kind of becoming a yearly tradition with this guest, and uh, I'm pretty stoked about it. How you doing, bud? I'm doing pretty well, man. But it's nice to interview the same people again because we get to ask them new questions. And it's just, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just a great you know friendship, relationship that we've developed. But we'll, we've got Sam Hubbard in the waiting. We're going to have some time with him. Here, here he is right now. Sam, how you yeah. doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, a, a year, an annual tradition, unlike any other. We 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 uh, seem to talk to you every year around this time, and it's so great to to have you on the show again, Sam. Uh, you are joining us courtesy of Miller Light, and we are appreciative of your time. How, how's everything going? Uh, been been a whirlwind of a year last year and up to the up to this point, but how you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah, you know we're in the dog days of camp right now. Um, kind of hit reset. We forgot about the whirlwind of last year, and we're on to a whole nother another season another process another journey and it's i'm enjoying it it's going well well that's it's it's good to be with you because uh, you know we talked about how we talk to you about, about this time every year and the the conversation's a little different this time and we always kind of say you know what what's going on with camp how are things what's the attitude like and you know you're hoping that this team takes the next step well they did you guys took a major step forward last year made the super bowl and whatnot so i guess now the question is you know What's it not, not what is it going to take to get there, but now how to get back there? What's the mindset like? What's the approach like within the locker room and, and the coaches kind of, you know, what, what's the mindset right now as you look to repeat as AFC champions and potentially even Super Bowl champions? Yeah, I mean, it's not any different than it's been the last, last year. You know, we've got the same mindset. I think we just have kind of an unspoken confidence and, uh, you know, we're all pretty sure of ourselves we've got a lot of great leadership in the locker room um a lot of people that have played a lot of snaps and um big moments big plays and uh, that's just uh you know on our resume now and we're working like we we always do brick by brick day by day uh we're not putting pressure on ourselves you know like repeat as champions or anything it's going to be uh, a battle week by week um we got to take care of the afc north first and that's where our focus is at and I think you guys have a, a roster that's filled with players who won at previous levels. Like you yourself, in 2014, you were registered with Ohio State, but you guys won the national championship that year. And then you had to reset, and then you played the next three years. What is, like, I guess, the difference between coming back from winning a championship and then coming back from just falling like short? Like, Is there any difference in terms of like making sure that you guys are still locked in, or is, or is that difference in result that, that kind of makes for a different kind of offseason, I guess? Um, you know, it's, uh, a big thing when you have success, it's how you handle that. Um, you know, it tells a lot about you as an individual and about your team, how you can handle, uh, success winning games, you come back to work. Are you working just as hard? Are you doing all the things that got you there in the first place? And, uh, you know, whether we won or lost that last game, I think our team and the guys we have handle. Uh, adversity and success both equally and we're, we we got a lot of guys that are very consistent showing up the same way every day and we always challenge each other to you know be consistent and be the same guy every day whether it's going good or bad because there's some bad coming this season it does every year and uh, there's some good coming too so uh, you just got to be level throughout and that's what we focus on 
Talking with Bengals defensive end Sam Hubbard. Happy to be having him on our show once again. He is joining us courtesy of Miller Lite. We'll talk about what he, really cool thing Miller Lite's doing, by the way. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes there. But uh, Sam, before we kind of talk about, you know, how things have been looking at practice through the preseason and all that, I want to take a step back and I want to get your thoughts on the offseason. Not only what the Bengals did in the draft and free agency to address some things on their team, but also, as you look around, I've kind of labeled this offseason as kind of keeping up with the Joneses. And the Bengals are the Joneses. It seems like the AFC North is trying to do either emulate what the Bengals did last year or see that they've got a stacked roster and say, you know, to get through the AFC, we got to go through the Bengals now. And so as you look at what the Bengals did this offseason and what other teams that will be vying for the AFC this year, I, I'd love to just kind of get your thoughts and impressions as to how this offseason played out. Yeah, it was something, you know, just to – uh, especially free agency, you just look on Twitter every day. It's a new name going to a new team that you would never expect. And I think it just all starts with the quarterback uh, having your guy. And obviously we've got our guy and that's just such a starts with that. And everything revolves around that. And uh, having Joe is just, you know, springboarded us as a team. And uh, then it just starts. Uh, I mean, you got to have veteran free agents that buy into your culture. And I think we've got some really good additions. The guys that have, we, we brought in uh, from a veteran standpoint and the rookies really fit what we are and who we are and how we work very well. And that's always great to see. And, uh, you know, I can't speak for other teams, but yeah, it was crazy to see all these big name guys go on to different teams and uh, <laughs> you'll be watching. I'm sure I'll be watching film and be like, no way he's on that. Uh, he's on that. <laughs> The NFL. Yeah, so now you're in training camp, you're in the preseason, and we we all know about what, what your quarterback kind of went through the past couple of weeks, but you also, I um, believe, had, had had some practices missed here and there. How are you feeling? Just just a quick update on, on how, how you're going um, as preseason and camp is going along. I'm feeling really good. You know, I'm uh, you know, at a point in my career where I've got a lot of snaps and I can be more cautious to get through the uh, the preseason to get to the Sundays when it really matters. And uh, I'm back fully healthy, feeling great. Uh, got a lot of confidence that I can build on from last year. Um, Coach Hobby and I and Trey, we're all, we're all uh, pushing each other every day. And I, I can't wait to put it on display this season. Talking with Sam Hubbard, who is joining us courtesy of Miller Lite. Sam, you, you talked about it just a second ago about the amount of snaps. You've taken a lot of snaps. And towards the end of the season and in the postseason, you and, and Trey Hendrickson were taking a lot of snaps. The, the injury to Larry Ogunjobi on the defensive line kind of hurt some things. And obviously just natural attrition throughout the unfortunate truth about the NFL, just injuries and whatnot. Um, you know, I, I felt like you guys were taking a lot of snaps towards the end there. Obviously, you guys are incredibly effective and were incredibly effective, but the team is also looking for some rotational help and someone to really step up in that regard. You know, you've got Cam Sample, you've got Joseph Osai coming back and others now. How, how is the defensive line shaping up in terms of getting some of those players in those rotational roles stepping up? We had Wyatt, Wyatt Hubert, you know, retire uh, kind of suddenly here. So, you know, I, I know there's a lot in the mix there. Yeah, that's one thing I've actually been really – Pleasantly, pleasantly surprised with, um, you know, Cam Sample trained with me this offseason. He's looked incredible. He's, I think he's going to have a great year. And having, uh, you know, Joseph back healthy, he's getting better every day, getting more experience under his belt. Uh, we got some young guys on the inside, you know, uh, Jeffrey Gunter, Zach Carter, they impressed me. 
Um, but like you said, we played probably too many steps down the stretch. You really got to have that, uh, that rotation going so guys can stay fresh throughout the year because it's a long season. And uh, having trust in what I've seen in those guys develop and the snaps that they're getting in the preseason, it's really going to help us down the stretch. I'm, I'm positive. Yeah, that's the great thing about the preseason. You get to see a lot of the guys who may not play as much in the regular season kind of show their stuff now in, in August. And like yourself and all the other starters, you're not really playing in the preseason anymore. But looking back when you were a rookie back in 2018, are there are, were there any things that you remember that you're like oh I was overthinking this or I was just I wasn't really playing like like instinctually was there anything that you remember about like playing your first preseason games and have you had moments now as a vet where you've helped out maybe like a wide-eyed rookie like came sample last year maybe some guys this year yeah I, I like to uh, put things in perspective for those guys because you know they look at me now like a veteran you know, um, on a second contract with a lot of experience and uh, don't imagine that I was a rookie too. I told a couple guys of the rookies after their first preseason game uh, who were a little down on themselves but played good. You know, my only comment for my first preseason and NFL game was just on the ground too much. And uh, it's just the speed <laughs> of the game, everyone's going to develop and uh, just helping those guys, you know, not to put too much pressure on themselves and, uh, Gain that confidence day by day by putting in the work is something I take pride in as you know a leader uh, of the unit. Sam, with regards to the defense and how things are looking this year, uh, you know, are there? You've got Lou Anarumo now; it's his fourth year in the system. He's kind of got his guys and and everything in place there. Are there? But what kind of wrinkles or new things might might the defense be working on? Might we see this year because of guys like Dax Hill and others in the fold? Um, you know, is there something new, or is it kind of just going to be, hey, we were really effective in doing a lot of different things well last year. Let's kind of stick to what we know and what we do best. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to give anything away, but I think where we're <laughs> at as a defense with Lou is we have uh, over the years. So many of us have played together so long and have the continuity with Lou that we've had so many different situations and installs and defenses that uh, we kind of perfected over the years that we haven't, we don't necessarily always go to, but he has the confidence and we, you know, have the reps and experience that situations arise in the game throughout the season that he has the confidence in us to go to something that we haven't necessarily practiced that calls for in a game that we weren't expecting or didn't scout. And uh, we can really be flexible and adjust and do a, a variety of different things that the situation calls for just because we have that uh, continuity and time together um, that you can't really, uh, I don't know, create any other way. Yeah, this is a safe space, Sam. Like, Dax is pretty good for Wolverine, right? You know, like, he's pretty uh, yeah. good. Yeah. I've been impressed with him. He's, uh, he's a good player. I like Dax a lot. But it's, it's not like he's, it's not like he's doing anything different than what he's doing, like, the entire offseason. It kind of seems like he's been kind of on point ever since he's got here. Yeah, he's, uh, he's handled himself like a pro. He's doing, he's doing everything you, you can ask and hope for him. Um, you know, it's a, uh, unique situation with Jesse. You know, we obviously miss Jesse, but he's stepped in and uh, done an amazing job. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that whenever that situation plays out, he's we need him on the field. He's, he's, he's shown that he can make plays. And last night he made another big play. And uh, I like him as a person, too. He works hard. He goes about his business and does the right things. 
Buckeye and Wolverines getting to get, getting along now that they're both <laughs> Bengals. You got you got to love that. Uh, I don't know what I mean. Details of conversations and whatnot uh, obviously are probably private, but I mean, have you been speaking with with Jesse during uh, his time kind of away from the team? And um, you know, you mentioned that Dax Hill has kind of been stepping in nicely and doing some different things. Obviously, he has played well in the first two preseason games of his career in this season, but. Um, have you been speaking with Jesse pretty regularly? And, you know, I assume he's keeping up with his own workouts and what he needs to do. Yeah, Jesse and I came in together. You know, he's a close friend. He's a credible worker, credible leader. Um, you know, I know he's he's doing he's working hard, doing everything he can uh, to be ready for whatever happens. And, uh, yeah, his situation, I, I just uh, love playing with him. That's all I'll say. So we've been talking with Sam Hubbard here for the past 15 minutes. We're going to get a couple more minutes with him, and then he's going to tell us about the things that he's doing with Miller Lite. But I got to ask Sam, because I don't know if we're going to be able to talk with any other defensive linemen or linebackers here. How has practicing been with the Guardian Caps? I can't imagine that's been like anything <laughs> like, that you guys have ever been used to. Like, Does it feel like noticeably different? Um, they're different. I mean, they just look really weird, and they, they, they take up a lot of space. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be a... The process probably getting used to them. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just everyone's walking around with gigantic heads out there. <laughs> it's definitely a different look. I remember there was a Buffalo Bills player uh, in the in the '90s who had one of those big helmets. I think his name last name was Kelso, Steve Kelso, I think. Anyway, uh, besides the point, Sam, what what is the team? We you kind of talked about it at the beginning of our interview here, what, what you're kind of doing, how the team's approaching things, but is there talk of Super Bowl hangover in this locker room? Is there talk of how to avoid that or anything that specific, or is it, you know, Hey, we're, we're, we're doing our thing. We're getting back to business and we're, we're just getting started here based on what we did last year. Yeah, no, there's no talk of that. We got a big week one opponent. Um, we got to prepare for that. And then we'll have a big week two opponent. It's just a, it's a, a tough league you know you can't start thinking about uh getting to the super bowl you got to take it game by game win your division win at home uh we know that we're now going from the hunters to being the hunted and a lot of people are gonna bring their best shot when they play us which is not something that's happened here for a while so we got to be prepared for that and now you got a couple practices and then the preseason game against the last team that you guys faced in the rams you got any any revenge reps in in line for those practices <laughs> Uh, I think that will this week of practice is going to be very intense. Um, you know, there's uh, going to be a lot of good competition, uh, a lot of game speed reps, and uh, we're, we're we're looking forward to the work. Well, that'll it'll be an interesting week for sure. Not only in the in the practices, but the, leading up to the game and the game itself. They're talking with Sam Hubbard, who is joining us courtesy of Miller Lite. We thank him for joining us uh, once again on our program. Sam Miller Lite's doing a really cool thing where they are. You you will tell us a little bit more about it, uh, at least better than I can describe it. But they are. Um, taking actual earth from home fields and sprinkling it in barley fields in which they brew the beer. Is that correct? Yeah, it is. So I, uh, you know, I've been helping them out with this program and I know what it means to play for your hometown team. And uh, they're trying to make an initiative to connect fans to their hometown team. And like you said, they're taking earth from the practice fields, sprinkle it on their barley fields, and that goes into the beer. And so while you're enjoying your beer, watching Watching the Bengals, you feel more connected to your team. This is where we represent the place where Bengals history is made. To honor our fans, we're taking the earth from here 
and bringing it here. So our barley fields are fed not just by the sun and rain, but by the pride of Ohio. And you can, of course, get Miller Lite at the new, newly named Paycor Stadium. What do you think about the name, by the way, Paycor Stadium? How do you, how do you like the, the the renaming? It's been Paul Brown Stadium forever in your entire career. That's got to be a little weird, but kind of cool, right? Yeah, it's it's different. I think it's a sign of the times. I think they're doing a good job, uh, you know, doing what they need to do to take us into the wherever we're going. Has yeah. a, <laughs> 21st century and beyond, right? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> there you go. Well, you can get Miller Lite at uh, Paycor Stadium, and of course, you can enjoy that beverage while watching this guy dominate on Sundays as he did last year. Sam, yeah, congratulations on a great year, and personally and as a team last year. We know that more and more is ahead for you and the Cincinnati Bengals, and, and honestly, man, we can't thank you enough for always making time for our show. We really appreciate it. Any, anytime, open invite, anytime you want to come back on, we'll, we'll carve out time for you. We appreciate it. And you've been very generous to, to John and I, and we appreciate that. Yeah, I love coming on with you guys. Thanks for having me. All right, take care. All right, so that was Sam Hubbard, defensive end, kicking off the show, Orange and Black Insider. Hopefully you enjoyed hearing from him talking about all kinds of different stuff, John. Um, and, of course, thanks to the fine folks at Miller Lite. Enjoy that beverage responsibly. But you can get that, as we said, at Paycor Stadium, your local retailers, all that kind of stuff. So we, we thank them for the opportunity to speak with Sam. It's, like I said, it's kind of an annual tradition, unlike any other, my friend. Yeah, we're pals, man. It feels great. <laughs> yeah, we go out, we hang out, you know, we, we talk over dinner, the whole deal. That's how we that's how we do it. Well, uh, always good catching up with him. Such a great guy. So down to earth. And one of uh, I know he's he's a fan favorite for a lot of reasons, not only because he's a local guy playing for his hometown team, but, um, you know, just the fact that he has ascended to a very good player for this team and uh, really had a nice year last year. I would argue that last year was his best year as a pro. Yeah, and it helps that he has that guy in Trey Hendrickson kind of across from him. And he had three years with Carl Lawson. Then he gets Trey Hendrickson to, to command double teams. And, you know, for some for some guys, you know, it takes a couple of years to really refine your your, your entire skill set as, as a player and as a pass rusher. And with Hubbard, you know, he, he just gets production. And I feel like that's what they value the most, that, you know, no matter what means necessary that it takes, like he – finds his way to the ball and that production on the field it's coupled with just I think a solid leadership in the locker room too so he's everything that I've we've said this multiple times Sam Hubbard is like the quintessential like bangle in their minds you know like the guy from here a guy who's really popular with the fans but he carries himself in, in a great way and it shows up on the field really well put and what's totally cool is you could tell for a lot of reasons he was a guy that Marvin Lewis really liked I could tell that that was a Marvin Lewis pick and even though it was in Marvin Lewis's last draft class it's good to see that consistency and that really that growth from a rookie and through the Zach Taylor era so really cool stuff by the way look at this one from Rob Duncan in the YouTube <laughs> chat the roar at Paycor I like that one it has a nice ring to it there so uh, again thanks to Sam Hubbard and Miller Lite for the opportunity to talk there another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where Bank of America can help for your financial to-dos Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You heard him talk, John, about a player and that player has made his reappearance. We no longer have to talk about the what ifs and whys and hows. Jesse Bates is at Paul Brown Stadium. Jesse Bates was on the rehab field on Wednesday in uniform, signed the franchise tag, signed it a little earlier than I expected. I thought this was maybe going to go to the 11th hour right before the first game. Myself, John, were you surprised at the timing of it? Or is this just about when you thought it would happen? And here he is. I feel like I'm with Joe Burrow in this because he was asked like the same question. And he said, I wasn't, he said he wasn't surprised at him coming back, but he also didn't really know when that was going to happen. It was just, I feel like we all knew that he was eventually going to come back. We didn't think that he was actually going to sit out for the season and forfeit the $13 million that he was, he's scheduled to make. So like the timing was, okay, is it going to happen the week before the game? Or are they going to ramp him up immediately back into the starting lineup? Because, you know, we all kind of believe that, or we just know that he's going to start, you know, now that he's back and like that was always kind of the plan. So for him, there's about two and a half weeks up until that Steelers game. He's on the, I think he's officially on the exempt list. So he's able to practice with the team with a certain, within a certain capacity, but he doesn't count against the roster it's for roster. up to two, yeah. for up to two weeks. So the, I think they have technically 81 players right now. So this gives him time to, I guess, properly reintegrate himself within the team practice wise he's just going through individual drills right now and then once you know he's he's comfortable with everything then he'll be with the team for 11 on 11 stuff so th- this this gives him time to reintegrate himself within the defense and he's not rushing it right up against week one so for for that reason i'm not too shocked that it happened here i guess you know it's a little bit unfortunate that he's that he's not able to i guess practice with the whole team against the rams you know th- I, because these are like the these are the game reps that they're really counting yeah. on because the, the starters aren't playing in the preseason. So he's not a part of that. So it's a little bit late for that, but just for him being right for the season, it, it makes sense why he's back here now. It, it does make a lot of sense. And even though he's not getting those reps, which was a great point, um, you, you know, he's back a little earlier than I would have anticipated potentially getting into you know, getting closer to that game shape, doing a little bit more on-field work or being around the team, all that kind of stuff that you like to see. So Jesse Bates is back and corresponding move, Brandon Wilson placed on the pup list. He was already on the, I believe the NFI pup list as well. Essentially that move puts him out for the first six weeks, I think. Um, It's four now. Four now. Um, So yeah, so the... The interesting move there. I mean, granted uh, that there was an injury situation and whatnot with Brandon Wilson, but interesting move there with the ascension of Dax Hill, the return of Jesse Bates. It's now kind of like, well, this is a little bit of a luxury in terms of potentially having Brandon Wilson. We don't have to rush him back, all that kind of stuff. So now he is kind of waiting in the wings as well. And oh, by the way, Chris Evans is showing a lot as a kick returner. Yeah, I don't really know where Wilson fits with this team right now because like yeah. said Evans, he looks like the part at a kick returner and he was kind of showing signs last season leading up to the playoffs and in the playoffs he was doing well in that role and now you have a safety group that like you said is three deep with three high quality starters including 
a rookie in Dax Hill. I don't think they're going to cut Michael Thomas because he's an absolute menace on special teams. And then they have another rookie in Tyson Anderson who's done well in the preseason too. So you're five deep at that spot and you haven't even gotten to Wilson yet. So I think this is good for Wilson to stay with the team, stay on technically the roster for the first four weeks. Unfortunately, injuries are inevitable. We don't know where on the roster they will occur, but they will undoubtedly occur within the first month of the season. You have to remember last year they had an injury at safety with Ricardo Allen. So he missed, I think, the first couple of games or two of the first couple of games uh, last season. So they had depth issues at safety. It could happen again this year with Brandon Wilson you know, still recovering from that torn ACL. He gets time to see how the roster plays out. But this obviously makes things easier in terms of what they do at safety. They're prob- probably going to keep five and they don't have to cut Wilson just yet. Also, with Bates being on the exempt list, they would have had to cut one more person if they just put Bates back on the active roster, or they would have had to maybe put uh, Joe Bocci, the linebacker, on the reserve pup list as well. He's still currently on the active pup list, so he doesn't count against the roster or anything. I don't know what the situation with that is either, because it seemed like he was doing okay in the early parts of training camp, just on the rehab field, but he's not back yet. And with Clay Johnston and other guys at linebacker really stepping up the preseason, I, I do wonder what's what the deal is with him if he's going to return in time to uh, make a stake at the roster. Clay Johnston, Mister Twenty Tackles and a Sack on uh, on Sunday. Interesting article here, um, and I, I guess I could share this, but I will. I want people to go click the link. I won't share the whole thing. Uh, because I definitely want this great beat writer to give some credit. So here's the link. Go um, go take a look at that. This is from the Cincinnati Inquirer, Kelsey Conway, relaying some great quotes. Uh, I'm sure that you, you can also find them in other outlets as well, but uh, found this one here. Here's why the Bengals and Jesse Bates failed in contract negotiations. This was as of Wednesday afternoon. And he basically a quote here, I don't know in terms of why he hasn't been paid. I don't think that's my question to answer. I think it's a great opportunity to continue to present what I'm about, who I am to this franchise and other teams as well. So it sounds like he may still be open to a potential, um, you know, reunion with the Bengals if the, um, if the price is right. And then also he had a couple of quotes about Dak Bengals drafting Dax Hill and stuff. So go read that. There's other updates on camp on that, on that article. Great stuff from her, but uh, just kind of, he still sounds puzzled as to what else he needs to do for this team to pay him the money he is seeking. Yeah. I feel like he's, he's playing a little PR ball right now. I feel like he and his little, little victim, know, little, yeah. little victim ball. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he knows the deal at this point. They've, they've been negotiating for two years and it still yeah. hasn't happened. If it hasn't happened by now, it probably won't happen. And But I feel like there's a mutual agreement with the situation. And it's why, with Bates' words, it didn't seem like there isn't any animosity between him and the Bengals, and especially the team. Like, everything that he said, it it invoked, like, at least for me, that, you know, he likes being here. He wants to continue being here. But obviously, the price is always going to matter. It's always going to be the main thing that either keeps him here or drives him away towards another team he said a lot of interesting things in his press conference something that stood out to me because it was such a topic of conversation last year about how he was playing kind of rough in the first half of the season and the whole contract year situation kind of got into his head he eventually turned things around but he's entering another contract year now and he said about playing in the contract year quote my mindset has always been every year is a contract year and to gain the respect around the league whether it's here which i would love it to be whether it's somewhere else, 
I'm going to show who Jesse Bates is on and off the field. And I think to me, Anthony, that, I mean, it's just a simple quote, but I think that along with other, other things that he said, it tells me that he's in a better place mentally to handle what's ahead of him compared to last year when maybe he had more expectations about a deal getting done up to the season. It didn't happen. He was very let down. He got into his head, but he's been through that before, right? He's, he's under, he understands what it takes to kind of push through that. And I feel like that experience can help him get through this year playing more consistently. And obviously that will help him get the deal that he wants next year. Fantastic point. And yeah, it's kind of a little bit of been here, done that in terms of playing on a one-year deal, right? Last year, he didn't quite know how to emotionally handle that. It would seem based on his own words. And now he's been there, done that, like I said. And so now he's more well-equipped to handle the entire situation, one would think. And then, you know, you've got, you know, hopefully this works out where the Bengals are able to keep him and, and all kinds of different things. But you've got, you just heard Sam Hubbard talk about his thoughts and his high regard for him. You've heard Mike Hilton. You've heard DJ Reader. You've heard all of the stars really on defense and Joe Burrow himself also talk about what he means to the team. And, and I love the part that Jesse said about off the field or in the locker room or, you know, that portion of, you know, here's who I am as a player, but here's who I also am, you know, in terms of a leader. And I think this team definitely regards him as that. So, uh, you know, I, I, I would assume for your point there, I would assume that, yeah, you know, we're, we're looking at potentially a much better year all around. I mean, he played excellently in the, in the postseason. We know that, but we're looking at a much better year potentially in the regular season as well, based on him being a little bit uh, more well-equipped to handle that, but he's back. Um, We'll see, you know, when they remove that designation and he's able to, you know, he will count against the roster and all that kind of stuff. Um, And then, you know, Again, the corresponding move of Brandon Wilson, that kind of counts as that fifth person they needed to deal with to get to 80. Um, It it was Drew Plitt um, and a a lot of other pass catchers, wide receivers. Were you surprised at the recent cuts, John, um, to get to 80? Plitt kind of showing – He's the one guy I felt like at quarterback that was actually taking some shots down the field and doing some different things, whereas Allen and Browning have kind of played a little – check down ball or, you know, short drag routes, that sort of thing. Um, I, I just, I, I didn't expect Plitt to, you know, make a run necessarily as the backup quarterback on the final roster, but I thought maybe he had a shot as a developmental practice squad guy. Maybe he still is at least someplace else because I mean, if you're Drew Plitt, what else do you have to lose? You might as well sling it down to Kendrick Pryor and see what right. he can do. And, and that's right. exactly what happened against the Cardinals but yeah for him it was all about just putting quality tape out there because if he didn't stay with the Bengals on the practice squad he now has a chance to latch on to 31 other teams whether that actually happens or not remains to be seen it's a long season ahead it's still two weeks uh, into or three weeks until the season start, season starts so injuries could happen he's he's definitely out there as far as the other cuts I think you had uh, uh J- Javion Hiley he was yep. cut uh, Jack Sorensen another receiver he was cut so that really leads this two-player race for maybe a roster spot that might not even exist, and that's that wide receiver. It could be that wide receiver seven spot if they are so inclined to keep seven between Kwame Lasseter the second and Kendrick Pryor. And Lasseter had a great game on Sunday, just like Pryor had a great game back in week one against the Cardinals. It really does feel like it's neck and neck, and now you have one final preseason game to give both those guys, I'm assuming at least five or six targets each, just to see what more can they do. 
because at this point, like the, the, the top six seems to be set. You have Trent Taylor doing everything uh, as a receiver and still, you know, doing stuff as a pump returner. Stanley Morgan and Mike Thomas have done great on special teams. They're not going anywhere. There doesn't seem to be a case for either Lasseter or Pryor to push into that wide receiver six spot. So now it's just about what can they do as receivers, as depth pieces to convince the team to, to keep seven receivers. And maybe they do keep seven receivers anyways because they don't see any other position where they want to go heavy and they w- would rather do so at receiver. But yeah, getting rid of or cutting, waving Sorensen and Hiley just makes more room for those guys to really just have a, a classic battling out on um, the Saturday against the Rams. Yeah, for basically one or maybe two spots on the roster available at the wide receiver position, you've got four guys gunning for them, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's uh, it's Morgan, it's Thomas, it's uh, Taylor and Irwin. I mean, those are the those are the four names really that are kind of gunning there. So we'll see exactly what what happens and what shakes out there. We did get just for one other update. We did get a a question from Tom Freeman is the offensive line healthy. And I do have a tweet to share from Kelsey Conway that she put out earlier this week. And if you look at this, this was the starting line today in practice against today being Wednesday against the Rams. So you look at that and you say, I think, I think they're pretty healthy. I think they've got who they want out there. You know, uh, Volson is the guy who's got the left guard snaps. We'll probably talk a little bit more about that as we run down the giants game, but um, to the question from Tom there, as of Wednesday, that was your starting lineup. So you've got the big three additions in there. And there was, I, I don't know if you want to call it a damning clip that our buddy Joe Goodberry put out there from Aaron Donald getting underneath Alex Kappa there. Of course, Kappa having limited practice time and whatnot, but looks like he uh, really got got in there. But Karis came to the rescue as well for the help out with the double team, it would seem. But uh, as of right now, John, that's... It looks like the offensive line is a bit uh, kind of like full go um, at this point right now. It's just a matter of what do they do at left guard? Yeah, and they would much rather have the starting five healthy compared to the depth uh, being banged up. And unfortunately, the latter is true because you still have Isaiah Prince dealing with the biceps injury. Lamont Ga- uh, Gaylord, he, I think, suffered a calf injury against the Giants. Mm-hmm. and He didn't practice. Jackson Carmen returned off of the... I guess the COVID list doesn't really exist anymore, but he was back in practice after dealing with COVID uh, in the past week. So everything, everything else I think is fine. Uh, ben Brown is on IR. So they have enough bodies to get through this one last week of practice and preseason. And like you said, like that starting five for the first time is, is out there full participation in 11s. You had Alex Kappa and Lyle Collins kind of ramp up to get to this point. But like you said, no one really knew what was going on at left guard until Jackson Carmen unfortunately didn't play so well against the Cardinals. And now it's, it's been, it's been Cordell Volson ever since. And so he got the starting reps against the Rams today, as we're recording this Wednesday, he'll get them tomorrow on Thursday. And I'm interested to see if he actually starts on Saturday, because if they like what they see from him this week in practice, like obviously he could use more reps, but if, if they deem him to be ahead of Jackson Carmen in that battle, I do wonder if he plays at all or how much he does play if, in case the, you know, they want to preserve him at, at some point, they have to announce who the winner of that battle is just to get continuity officially with that starting five. But I, I do think the fact that they're giving him all those starting reps this week against the Rams and again, what they're deeming to be like their, their final tune up before the season. I do think that's telling that that's the direction that they're going with. And for that reason, I, I, I am curious as to how 
long or how much Cordell Volson plays at all in on Saturday. Yeah, and obviously the practice being against you know an actual other opponent rather than your own team that's uh, kind of telling a little bit as well. But again, it could be that Carmen's kind of ramping back up, and I don't know. I would. It's obviously a big a big battle, and we'll talk about that more in just a second as well as what we saw from the Bengals against the Giants and what we want to see, who we're watching, et cetera, with the Rams. Before we do, just want to remind folks, number one, to subscribe to the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel through your favorite audio streamer. We are on all of the major ones, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. We are on all of the major ones. And, of course, if you like the video format, you can always join us live through our YouTube channel. You got to subscribe by clicking the icon down beneath John and that Cincy Jungle logo at the bottom there. Click that, hit subscribe, and uh, click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available. You'll be notified about that. And of course, if you like our specific videos, if you watch it, um, even if you don't subscribe, give us a thumbs up. We appreciate that. And of course, leave a rating on the audio side. We appreciate all of that. And can't forget the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. If you're if you're a Facebook fiend and you like to watch us on Facebook as well as the others on our great channel, um, you can you can like the Cincy Jungle Facebook page to catch our show, to catch Talking Football with Bengal Jim and friends, and of course Coach Speak and Chalk Talk. Gotta gotta subscribe and like all of the places. We appreciate the support. John, what'd you think about what we saw Sunday night against the Giants? I there were things to me that were pretty encouraging. I felt pretty good that the Bengals were up at half, given the fact that the Giants were playing their ones for a little while there. Um, you know, I mean, they were they had the starting quarterback in there, a presumed starting quarterback in there. They had a lot of other familiar faces in there that should get a lot of snaps for them. And the Bengals were playing largely backups, rotational players throughout the entire game. I mean, almost everyone uh, was a backup rotational player at this point. And the fact that they went into halftime leading, um, you know, you felt pretty good about that. Overall, still kind of sloppy, missed passes from the backup quarterbacks, uh, some other issues that were kind of plaguing the team. Some good, some bad. I guess that's part and parcel of preseason game number two, um, especially when you're not playing a lot of starters. Yeah, I'm longing for that clean, perfect preseason game. I still have yet to see it in my my 26 years on earth, but, you know, it'll, it'll come eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think obviously everyone was looking at at Bolson and the offensive line in general. Deontay Smith got like flagged for three holding Ooh, penalties. I, I feel brutal. like I feel like only one was legitimate. I watched one back like three times and I was looking for the hold. I never really saw it, but he got dinged up for whatever reason. But I, I felt like um, him and Hakeem Adeniji played better, or at least Adeniji played better than he did against Arizona. Smith made his preseason debut after not playing against the Cardinals initially. So you had solid performance at tackle. Adenogy played the whole game next to Volson, who also played the whole game. And he doubled his snaps after playing 34 against the Cardinals. He played 67, his jersey number, against the Giants. And I think the takeaway there is that when the more you play, unfortunately for a rookie, the, the, the wider the spectrum of quality of play that you're going to see. So against the Cardinals, he was mostly consistent. There wasn't a lot of negative reps. He doubled his snaps, so naturally you're going to see a little bit more on the negative side for him. And we saw kind of the weaknesses of Olsen's game. You know, he was a little bit slow out of his stance. You know, some some of those quick, shifty, shifty pass rushing moves kind of got the better of him. But I think the good things remain important as well. He 
you know, stayed balanced through contact. I, th- I think his recovery ability as a pass protector is really good. Again, we haven't seen him against great competition yet, but I think that those are signs of good things to come. I think he's really, really far along compared to pass blocking and run blocking specifically. We saw him more on some of the zone concepts. He got to the second level. He was finishing guys into the dirt. Mm-hmm. He just understood where he needed to be. So I, I felt overall it was a it was a positive performance but the negative plays you know we, we still have to watch for that those are going to happen it was a second at every game in the league whatever on the other side of the ball I, obviously dax hill like what what else is there left to say like he just makes plays was, he's good man he looks like good there's three plays consecutively on the first drive he made a cover stop on a hitch route that forced mm-hmm. a, a third and four then he at the linebacker alignment he you know, recognized a flat route, clicked and closed, got a shoestring tackle. And on the fourth down stop, it was Joseph Asai broke through first, but then it was Hill on a, on a slot blitz that kind of ran right behind him. It was in on the tackle. The next drive, Ty Sanderson is up against another rookie tight end, Daniel Bellinger. Bellinger drops it. Hill in the free safety alignment. He's reading the entire play. Again, click and close, get downhill, recognize what's happening. Whether or not he made the interception, it's up for debate. But just him being in the in the position there to make the play, that's what matters. That's what should matter to the coaches. And now that Bates is coming back, regardless of the depth that they have there, like they, the coaches, should feel comfortable in putting Hill in those situations to change the games that actually matter. So everything from him was good. And then Anthony, I was really impressed and surprised with some of the unknowns at defensive line that we haven't really talked about. Raymond Johnson the third who doesn't mm-hmm. really look like a traditional edge. He's more like that wall Skillberry build. He he looked really good penetrating it with some of those pass rushing moves. And he was lined up inside. He was lined up outside. I think he had the best pass rushing performance out of any Bengals defensive lineman, even with Jeff Gunter getting all the love. Cam Sample played really well. Dominique Davis even had some push in the pocket there in the interior. So I think you have battles at defensive line who makes the practice squad. Clay Johnson, like you said, he was active with 20 tackles. So it was a lot more to like, I felt like, on the defensive side of the ball while the offensive line was still kind of finding its footing. Good assessment. Uh, with Volson, I like what you said about the recovery aspect because we have seen him either get initially beat or just kind of have a bad rep, but somehow he still is able to, to kind of stay in there, maintain and not have it be an absolutely devastating play. Now, obviously there's some, there are some facets to this game against the giants where, you know, those who totally subscribe to PFF and, and, you know, subscribe to their, their ratings, they would look at his overall score. I think his overall score was 26 or his pass blocking score was, I mean, it was in the twenties, something like that. Uh, and, and you would say, wow, that's a pretty horrible performance by those metrics. But then when you look at it, you see some of the things you pointed out. I don't think the performance was was that bad, um, at least not indicative of the score that PFF gave him. So there, there uh, again, still a little bit of a work in progress, but there are some things to like. I did see the second level blocking that you mentioned as well. Uh, you know, a lot of different a lot of different things. And what I liked just in general, John. And I guess these are the small things that you have to kind of look for and cling to in the preseason. But on defense, it just even even if they were not making the plays, there was a lot of activity. There was a lot of a lot of seemingly at least knowing where to be, being around the ball. You know, uh, you talked about Hill grabbing the interception. When there was a lot of that, there's a lot of just energy. And a lot of, um, you know, there were some issues tackling that one wide receiver that ended up getting 100 yards and two touchdowns for the Giants there. But other than that, I mean, that's what I like to see is guys, you know, there's a lot of effort. 
There's a lot of energy, and that's kind of what I took away from the defense. And you mentioned some of the names on the on the defensive line. You know, pressures weren't overly high. I think there was only one sack in the game, and that's that's a little disappointing. But uh, there were some things that you could take away from some of the names that you mentioned. You could say, hey, maybe there's a little bit of clay to mold here. Hundred percent. You know, my my new favorite, like, I mean, my my favorite guy to watch in the preseason right now is, is Jalen Davis, and that's he, like he was incredibly active this last weekend i think that's the best word to describe him like i can't think of a better more idealistic backup to mike hilton than jalen davis in the slot and i know dax hill provides value at that slot cornerback it's where he played mostly michigan but the way that he just times his blitzes in the slot like i feel like you can trust him to manage the same assignments that you give mike hilton he might not do it as efficiently or as consistently but I just see him fly around the field and be a, a, a consistent form tackler. He plays fast and smart, and that's just, to me, the signs of a comfortable player. And I remember when he first joined the Bengals in 2020, and he did not look uh, comfortable at all. I think at all. His, his debut was against the Steelers, and I remember him just being completely out of place. And he came back the next year in 2021, and he had a really good preseason last year and good enough to make the team again. And I just feel like he's just finding his own. And I, I'm curious as to how many cornerbacks or what kinds of cornerbacks they're going to end up keeping depending on what depth they need. And maybe they don't need a Davis if he just plays the slot. But I feel like he's one of those guys that you just can't cut after what he's been doing in the preseason. Every time I see him pop up, uh, pop up on, on the field, like he's making a positive play. It was so week one to me, Jalen Davis didn't, it wasn't as impressive as week two. And like you said, I think, I think you see a guy who's getting a little more comfortable. You know, you mentioned he was here in 2020. He was around the team last year. And so, you know, you're seeing a guy finally kind of some things may be clicking, getting a little more comfortable, understanding what Lou Anarumo is asking him. But that was a guy that I kind of felt was doing some nice things last, uh, last weekend against the giants. And then, you know, I, 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 you talked about some of the wide receivers as well. Lassiter had a nice night aside from the drop in the end zone for the two point mm-hmm. conversion. Um, Pryor still had a couple of nice moments. The, the, the Trents, uh, it's more good than bad, but there are still some issues there. You know, you had Irwin fumble at the end of the game there. And I think there was another one. It was either him or Taylor. I can't remember. Uh, had one kind of, it was a tough catch. He was, it was a contested catch. He was kind of going to the sideline, but he did get both both sets of fingertips or hands on it and the ball kind of uh, went to the ground there. So there, there are a couple of things there that you kind of go, wow, there's a lot of good, but some questions there, but uh, overall it's, it's you're feeling pretty good about depth in a lot of these spots, offensive line. There are still some questions there based on everything, but I mean, wide receiver defensive back, you mentioned now some of the defensive line, man, you're feeling pretty good at this point in time about some of the depth. Yeah. And, that bodes well for filling out the practice squad because most of these guys aren't going to make the roster regardless. But you know, I, I feel like that's a good point because going into this season, you have confidence in the 22 starters that you have. Most of them are back. The guys you brought in, they're, they're pretty damn good. Your first round pick, he looks pretty damn good too. It's just about finding the right depth pieces in case or when injuries inev- inevitably do happen. You know, depth at offensive line is still a major question mark, like you mentioned, but Everywhere else, like I feel like you're you're pretty confident in the guys filling you know those roles in case they need to in case injuries happen with Taylor man or, or Trent Taylor. <laughs> Every time the ball comes his way, he just makes something happen. Um, mm-hmm. I, I want to apologize to him uh, because when I first saw that crazy over the shoulder catch, which by the way 
if you ever put on a helmet and are trying to catch a ball that's going directly over your head, oh, it it's is so very difficult. hard to do. It's <laughs> difficult. It's difficult in baseball when you've got the yeah. glove and everything, and you're trying to track it. That's a that's a difficult play. Yeah. That catch is insanely difficult, and to have the aware the spatial awareness of where you are compared to the sidelines and get getting your feet in bounds, like it was an insanely impressive catch. And my initial reaction was, well, if he just you know, stemmed his route towards the end zone. You know, Allen could have led him. It might have been a touchdown, but Allen did throw the ball pretty quickly on that wheel route. That's the goal to get the pick, the natural pick there, get some separation, get the ball out quick. So Taylor did a great job of adjusting to where the ball was thrown. And it's just hard to leave him off the roster at this point, especially because Lassiter, albeit he had a great game as a receiver aside from that drop, but, you know, he came into the preseason and training camp build as a competitor, as a punt returner, or as a kick returner, and he's done next to nothing at that role. And unfortunately, he hasn't had a lot of opportunities. There's been some kicks that have gone out of bounds. You've had, you've had yeah. the fair catch a couple of times. But, you know, the opportunities come, and if you don't make the most of them, regardless of the other circumstances, the coaches really aren't going to give you the benefit of the doubt, especially because they know what they have in Trey Taylor. So, you know, he's done the bare minimum, but just enough as a pump returner to remain in that role. But he's just impressed as a receiver in, in case they need him, in case something happens to Tyler Boyd. Like, he's, he's proven he can do it. He, yeah, he's been, he's been showing out a little bit here. So I, I think that's a good spot to transition into this week against the Rams. The finale preseason's a lot different than it was just about two years ago, three years ago, I guess, uh, before COVID before the, the change, the cut down of a game and everything in the preseason, you know, usually there was this, you know, in the four games, there was a little bit of time for the starters in, in week one, a little more in week two. Week three was the dress rehearsal, so to speak. And then basically nobody played in week four. It was all about, you know, how are you going to fill out that roster? Obviously different now with the three-game preseason schedule. And then, of course, you know, the Bengals just haven't been playing their starters. Um, what, what what should we anticipate this week? And what are, you, what are you hoping the Bengals achieve? We'll talk about players to watch, obviously, in a few minutes, but what should the Bengals look to achieve in a game like this? I think it's being billed as the Super Bowl rematch, but it's like, you know, I, I just don't think there's going to be a lot of starters playing in general for either team. But uh, I don't know. What what are some of the, the goals and the takeaways that you're looking for this week as the Bengals host the Rams? Yeah, the starters played today and they will play tomorrow and that'll be about it. So that'll be about it. Yeah, I don't even know like which backups are going to play, to be honest with you, like at this point. Uh, and I'm I'm a proponent of rookies should get a lot of reps in the preseason, but I don't know what more Jacksonville has to do at this point. Like I feel like, considering the fact that he's going to he's earned a significant role to begin the season as just a do it all defensive player, I don't really think that you should play him at that much or or at all against the Rams at this point. For me, I, I want to see who separates themselves at defensive line. You have 15 guys still on the roster, 14. 14 of them are healthy, not, not counting Khalid Kareem, who unfortunately re-injured his hamstring against the Giants. So we don't know if he's going to play. But if he can't play, he probably should because Cam Sample is doing some good things. Jeff Gunter, he's flashed a few times. Noah Spence, we, we didn't talk about him, but he popped up against the Giants mm-hmm. a few times too. Like Spence and Johnson off the edge and Davis inside. Like these are guys that we haven't talked about at all this offseason because it doesn't seem like that they have a real legitimate chance at making the roster but sticking onto the practice squad in case injuries do happen you have to activate some guys off the practice squad i want to see these guys get one more chance to really separate themselves from each other can johnson build off of that performance against new york can jeff gunter you know shine again in paycor stadium camp sample 
He's looked like a completely different player to me. He's looked more athletic in space. He's looked more explosive off the edge. We just heard from Sam Hubbard that he was training with him. Working out with him. And, yep. you know, I'm inclined to believe that he's going to be a little bit better. So I, we don't know how many they're going to keep there. We're, we're guessing the number is about 10, but it could be like six edge defenders, including the likes of Sample and Gunter. Can Spence or Johnson do enough to be that sixth guy or are one of them just going to confirm a spot to be brought back in the practice squad? I'm really looking forward to see who separates themselves. That's a good point there. Of course, I'm looking continue uh, continue to look at the secondary there based on who will play. I, I'm with you. I think I think Dax Hill needs to play very limited, if at all. Uh, at, at this point, it's like you know you have Bates back now. You're going to have him. Let's let's kind of get all hands on deck, so to speak. Um, you know, I, I think the the ever lingering question is about the offensive line, the Volson versus Carmen and, and other spots. I'd like to see Deontay Smith. I know it's been a while since he's really been out there and playing games. And we talked about the, the three penalties last week, but you know, I'd like to see him have a nice showing. I think he's, he's kind of that swing tackle of the future, so to speak for them. So uh, there's some spots there. And really, John, I, I, I know Drew Plitt is not in the, the running here anymore, but uh, I, I, I kind of want to see a little bit more out of the backup quarterbacks. And I said this on the happening headlines here that it's hard for backup quarterbacks this time of year. I mean, you, you hope they just, especially guys who have been a backup with the, with the same team for a while and that sort of thing, you just expect they come in and they'll start lighting some things up and all kinds of different things. It's hard because there's chemistry and, you know, your backup quarterback isn't playing with most, if not any starters and the whole deal. I mean, there's all kinds of things, but Really, to me, there's been some good from Brandon Allen and Jake Browning, but there, it's really, to me, it's a, a little bit of the same guy that we're seeing um, out there, more or less. I mean, I think they're going to go with Brandon Allen as as the devil you know instead of the devil you don't, maybe. But um, I don't know. I just, I kind of am, am yearning for a little bit more, and maybe it's also just because I want to see more opportunities for some of these back end wide receivers to try and make some plays and, and show them uh, show the coaches there a, a little bit of a last audition, but I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious about the backup quarterback spot. It's a good question because everything that we've heard about Brandon Allen, like we don't know a lot about him, but every time he gets brought up as to, Oh, why is this guy still here? We always hear about his relationship with Burrow and he's been with uh, the team since Burrow was a rookie during the 2020 offseason. I think he was signed like an emergency addition at quarterback in August of that year. And he's stuck with the team ever since. So they've developed chemistry, a relationship that, you know, teams still value between your starter and your backup. Obviously, if Brandon Allen plays extended time, the Bengals are kind of doomed in that sense. But I feel like there's just not a lot that Jake Browning can do as a backup. Number one, because he's, he's limited in his own right. But two, like that relationship between Allen and Burrow is already pretty much established. And I, I feel like that's what they, they value the most. It doesn't really matter you know what Brandon Allen statistically does or aesthetically does in the preseason but I agree like you you do eventually want to see some type of promise from your backup and I do wonder if that is going to happen in the coming years once Burrow is on the second deal and they're looking obviously to save money but also to groom like a young backup behind him with with some upside in case something something does happen so maybe that happens in the future for now I do think it's still Brandon Allen but I want to I want to give a shout out to uh, Rob Duncan who brought up the player I was going to talk about, Desmond Noel, who grew up in Cincinnati. He was a Coleraine High School alum. 
he looks like a very similar player to Cordo Volson. And I mean that in the positive ways, not in the negative plays, because both of them are still a little rough around the edges and pass pro, but Noel's really fun to watch too. When you're watching the offensive line, he got an opportunity to play with, I believe the backups uh, on Sunday when Lamont uh, Gaylord, unfortunately injured his calf. He came in at right guard and in the run game, man, like he gets after it. And just like Volson, mm-hmm. he just plays to the whistle. I've, I saw him on the ground in a positive way, like always finishing blocks, but he just has that natural tendency to him. And, you know, I feel like he showed out against uh, the Cardinals, too, when he was working with Ben Brown and Volson with that second team. So he's gotten opportunities uh, this year. And I think he was like the main backup at right guard today at practice. So he was. Right, now, yep. right now he might be like the 10th offensive lineman if they're going to go 10. But I don't think they're going to go that much. And even if they do, Noel might not be that guy. But I think he's definitely earned a chance to stick around in the practice squad. And for Cincinnati kid getting the paycheck every week to play for your hometown team, that's that's got to be pretty cool. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth that he he got time with the twos on Wednesday here. So yeah, um, him and and Trey Hill and and you know some others there were were out there right with the twos. So um, a guy that really wasn't talked about much at the onset of training camp has now kind of ascended and asserted himself as being in the mix, uh, Desmond Noel. So good, good call by Rob and yourself there. Uh, You know, just to kind of close it, I don't know how you feel about that. I I know you're usually the roster projection guy in terms of the article being put up on Cincy jungle and all of that. I'm assuming you're going to do that probably in a week or so. Um, But, you know, but he, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm curious about what you think about the running back spot. Um, because obviously it would appear Mixon, obviously, and then it would appear now that you know Evans is RB two or RB two A, maybe P Ryan's two B. Um, is there another one on the on the roster? And it has we've seen some nice stuff from Jock Patrick, right? We've seen uh, a couple of decent moments from Travion Williams, but it's been tough sledding getting in the run game. I think it's two point seven yards per carry over the first two games in the preseason that this team has collectively netted. So I, you know, I don't know if you see another running back in there besides those three. And if so, whom? I I still really like the way Travion Williams runs the ball. I feel like he's still really comfortable with those zone concepts that they like to run. Mm -hmm. Jacques Patrick, I feel like is the better athlete and he's more powerful and he can break more tackles maybe when he runs inside. But I feel like Williams is really apt in what they ask him to do. And he's not going to wow you athletically, but I feel like he's just a, a good guy to keep on the team in some capacity in case you just you just need an extra running back to grind out those yards. But I, I wouldn't have any issue if they decided to keep Patrick for that role. It really does come down to if they're going to keep four and considering where the roster needs in other places, like I feel like three is it's probably the number that they should go with, especially because they should feel comfortable with Evans as RB2, but I don't even know if that's true right now. Like, I, for, I mean, not for whatever reason. I understand the logic with Samaj P. Ryan, but obviously there's a contingent in the fan base that wants Evans to get that opportunity and those snaps. It's just a matter of trust, I guess. Like, they, they trust P. Ryan to be a receiver in those situations, a pass protector. They've given Evans a ton of opportunities to prove that. And to me, it's like a double edged sword. One, you're giving Evans chances to prove himself to change the coach's minds but at the same time if you're not playing p ryan giving him those snaps is it really a competition in the first place or maybe it's just they're comfortable with p ryan remaining in his role for the remainder of his deal which has 
one year left. So I, I think three is fine. Three is a good number for them. If they're going to keep four, I would personally keep Williams just because I feel like he's just a better natural runner. But again, whoever they keep on the practice squad, I think is fine. Yeah. Well, Bengals take on the Rams this weekend and, you know, preseason finale. And then we get to talk about regular season stuff. So we've had a jam-packed episode talking about two preseason games, one that has been played, one that will be played. We've talked about Jesse Bates. We've talked about the offensive line. And, of course, we had a great chat with Sam Hubbard to kick off the show. So it's time to start closing some things up. We do a remember when. We do other things like that. I just kind of had a thought this week, John, and it's kind of a remember when or whatever, but if you can go back in your memory banks and your mind's eye and all of that, I, I thought about, you know, is there a, an all time preseason hype team, but I'm going, man, I don't remember people in the eighties that were (laughs) preseason studs or anything like that. But if, you know, go back a little bit. And if you, if you can, who were some, remind us of some of the names that come to your mind that were preseason all-stars that maybe maybe they translated it into a nice NFL career, but more often than not, it doesn't end up working that way. What are some of the names that come to your mind when you're thinking about Bengals preseason all-stars? Well, he wasn't an, an all-star in any capacity other than the moment, but shout out to Matt Scott for one of the greatest viral moments. In, in oh, man, I forgot about that one. Wow. <laughs> Had to give him an honorable mention in there. Puke gate, right? Yep, yep. Oh, man, I forgot about that one. But just going off of recent memory, Jake Dolagala was declared the next Brett Favre by a lot of Bengals fans for his performance. And that was that was fun while it lasted. Uh, he was throwing the ball to Damian Willis, who really mm-hmm. took advantage of his preseason role. Ryan Whalen, I believe, had, had some preseason performances back in the day. It's it's always those 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 receivers that look like you and I that end up kind of popping <laughs> off a little bit. Sonsenbacher, right? Yes, Dane, Dane Sonsenbacher, Jake Crumero, touchdown Jesus. Tom Nelson, I've been told, looks like me, so I've always had a soft spot uh, for him. Yeah, uh, Kendrick Pryor right now, Kwame Lasseter to a certain extent. I, you mentioned Hard Knocks a couple of weeks ago, the 2009. I was thinking back to 2013. There was a battle for the fullback spot, which is it seems like it's an archaic concept at this point, but you had both uh, Orson Charles competing with John Connor, and John Connor was... The fan favorite because he was the more traditional fullback and he was he went to my high school Lakota West so he was a, a Cincinnati native and I remember that scene when I think he got cut and he was a little bit like damn I, I don't know how much more I could have done to really earn my spot here but they went with Charles because he was more that H-back type of you know modernized halfback if you will so a lot of a lot of offensive guys who really shine in the preseason but didn't really do much beyond that yeah, that was in 09, too. They had the Fui Vakapuna versus Jeremy Johnson. Uh, yep. Big, big battle there. Yeah, that's a good one. And, man, Orson Charles, he's had himself a little bit of legal trouble. I think he's just yeah. got into more, <laughs> more trouble recently, that guy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there the 09, you could go back to that 09 Hard Knocks and you could look at Dee Dorsey. Remember, he was he was a maniac in the in the preseason. You mentioned Tom Nelson. Remember, Quan Cosby, he made him, him – uh, he made a name for himself in the preseason as a punt returner and actually was a pretty effective punt returner more or less for a year or two with the Bengals there. So those are some of the names there. I'm going to go back a little further into the early 2000s. I'm talking maybe even pre Marvin and everybody knows the ascension of Rudy Johnson in 03 and beyond for, you know, a good four or five years there where he was, you know, a stud for the Bengals. 
But he, for a while, when they had Corey Dillon, we're talking like 2001, 2002, um, Rudy was fighting off or attempting to fight off another running back, Curtis Keaton, uh, Mm -hmm. another running back that was uh, doing some things in the preseason. And there was always, well, who are they going to keep? Keaton or Rudy? Keaton or Rudy? And they ended up, you know, kind of keeping keeping Rudy Johnson. Obviously, that paid off very well for them. But uh, that was another guy that, I remember going in the way back machine. You see Andrew Seiler, good, good one here. Alex Erickson, how could we forget him? He made a name for himself in the, uh, you know, in, in the preseason as well. So he was a guy that you just couldn't couldn't get rid of either for a little while there. So yeah, it's just it's fun kind of reminiscing about some of these names. Obviously, it's it's easier to talk about the ones over the past couple of years, the ones on Hard Knocks that were high profiled, but. Um, I just, I can't really remember a lot from the nineties or two or eighties in terms of preseason, preseason guys. I mean, I remember you can go back again to hard knocks. Uh, what was it? John Skelton was one of the quarterbacks yeah. for the Bengals and doing some things. And of course you had Jordan Palmer in there doing some things with the run P app and playing ball and all kinds of different things. So a lot of different players have shined for the Bengals, some of which ended up paying off. And uh, by the way, Rudy ended. He did have a good. He did have a good preseason, and it ended up paying off. But um, yeah, so just kind of taking a stroll down memory lane a little bit and talking about some of these guys. And then you go, you know, who who ended up panning out, who didn't. Um, it, it's it's cool to see him make the team and do things. But you know, when they have that preseason hype and they're doing all these different things, that you're like, hey, this guy could play. This guy could play tomorrow against the Steelers. And then you see things and the regular season you go yeah it's a little different regular season versus the preseason what was what was the nickname of the uh like the 1970s like rams pass rushers it was the like didn't they have like a nickname it was like the fearsome it was the fearsome foursome or yeah you're i I know who you're talking about um whatever their name was they 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 do not compete with a they they do not compete with a quartet of chris smith Darius Hodge, <laughs> Marcus Hunt, yeah. and Deshaun Williams. That that front four can get you eighty sacks and <laughs> Deshaun Williams. That's another one. Deshaun yeah. Williams. Uh, yeah, that was the fearsome foursome. Deacon Jones, Merlin Olson. Yeah, a, a lot of a lot of big names there. That was a good. That was a good one. Well, uh, just a little stroll down preseason memory lane. Now that twenty twenty two preseason is coming to an end, but. Uh, let's drop the mic and get out of here. We've gone a little long here, John, in a jam-packed episode, a lot of fun stuff. What do you got for us on our way out? Yeah, shout-out to the best rookie quarterback in the NFL, 10 for 13 with 143 yards and a completion percentage over expectation of 13.5% against the New York football Jets, the guy who proves me wrong every single week, Desmond Ritter. At this point, I kind of feel like the Bearcats' offensive coordinator might have limited him because – he looks really good for being a rookie and for being a, an imperfect quarterback in college. And I'm, I'm so happy to you know kind of eat crow and be proven wrong every, every single time that I see him do well uh, again. Like I, I think he's a solid quarterback. I, I had, I had some doubts about him coming out of UC, but man, he looks pretty good with the Falcons and I love watching him play now. It, it really is nice to see a Bearcat quarterback do well. Yeah. I, you know, I watched a little bit of that game. The first game, I was like, yeah, there's some hit and miss there with Ritter for me in this, uh, in this second game, it was a lot more crisp. He was a lot more decisive with some throws that I saw. And there was one as they were getting towards the red zone that he put across the, the middle of the field. That was 
very a very nice throw, very crisp throw. So yeah, I was pretty impressed with him. Uh, I'm I'm just gonna remind folks once again we are still uh, representing the Pollock Family Foundation. David Pollock joined us a few weeks back. Um, we have not raised what I would have hoped, and so we are gonna keep hammering you all to please, please, please. Um, Please donate. This is going to be a long, uh, a long play here in terms of getting donations to the Pollock Family Foundation. In case you are unaware, uh, the Pollock Family Foundation does a lot of cool work. It, it is largely based in Georgia and the Atlanta area. They work with the Atlanta Children's Hospital. They do a lot of community work there. They do work with at-risk mothers, at-risk children, and uh, obviously work with families as well for nutritional information, trying to, um, you know, put an end to childhood diabetes and all kinds of different things. So they do a lot of cool stuff. Um, we've raised some money. We we do have some money that we're going to pool to this from our super chats and YouTube. So if you are so inclined, um, we're going to be pooling our YouTube super chats to this charity and we'll be giving out some uh, rewards or prizes, that sort of thing. So we'll be doing that, but please, please, please. Um, you know, this is kind of the, the charity we've, decided to represent this time of year. Last year, we we did a lot with the Ring of Honor, and you guys were awesome with that. Not that you're not being awesome now, but um, we we and they could use your help. They've got some big projects coming up, so we appreciate it. GiveSendGo.com slash Pollock Family Foundation. You can get in touch with us or, and send us a YouTube super chat, and that'll go there. But uh, please, please, please help out if and how you can. Yeah, and if you don't believe us, check out our interview with David Pollock. A phenomenal player back in his day and even better person. Had a lot of great things to say about his life, his playing career, and what he's doing now with this foundation. So definitely check out that interview from about a month and a half ago. And yeah, donate if you can. Um, you know, John Sheeran might be more wrong than right, but John Sheehan, Scott Belton, is definitely more wrong than right. So yeah, I, I can't speak for John Sheehan. <laughs> Is there, was there a live, I missed that. Was there a live, oh, she had more wrong than right. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I she can't disagree. Had, yeah. Yeah. That John Sheehan, he's a, he's a real piece of work, that guy. Uh, John, thank, th <laughs> thanks for what you do. And thanks to Sam Hubbard for joining our program. Thank you to Miller Lite for allowing us the opportunity to speak with him. You can get Miller Lite at Paycor Stadium this season as you watch the Bengals host their opponents. And of course, you can get Miller Lite at your local retailers. Drink responsibly and enjoy. John, have a great rest of your week. We'll be back with more stuff throughout the week, as well as the others on the Cincy Jungle podcast channel. Keep it to your favorite audio streamer. Keep it to YouTube. Keep it to the Cincy Jungle Facebook page and CincyJungle.com for all your news, opinions, analysis, preseason coverage, regular season coverage. We got it all for you. Take care.